Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna freeze. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Points of the Pain podcast, everybody. Ben Wittenstein. Zach Badgerhouse, always in the house. What's up, Benny boy? What's what's happening? Zach, how you doing, my guy? Man, I'm chilling, man. We got trades going this week. Trade deadline is underway. It's getting real close, so the trade market is underway. Ooh-wee, man. We got some stuff to dissect today on this podcast, big fella. Oh, yeah. So the trade deadline's tomorrow. We had a bunch of trades yesterday going on, so we're going to talk about that. And we appreciate everyone calling in, too. We got, I think we got a message from someone uh, talking about the trade deadline, so we'll play that. In just a second, you can always call, uh, of course, you can always call our phone line, 773-273-9088 is the phone number. Leave us a message, whatever you're feeling. You know, if you like a trade, don't like a trade. If you want your team to trade for someone, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. I mean, that's really the way it goes. You know what I'm saying? You heard the phone number, 773-273-9088. We want to hear from you, the listener. What's going to happen? What's going to transpire? What do you want to happen? Just let us know. And we're all over social media, wherever you get your podcasts, we're everywhere. You can find us, whatever you want. But the big news, Zach, and we'll start with one big thing. Just one thing. One thing. Because the one big thing of the week has just been trades. You know, we usually do, you do something, I do something. But I think we just have to talk about these trades because there were some insane trades that are happening. Really Mm -hmm. bad for some of these Western Conference teams, in my opinion. I think in your opinion as well. You had Portland and the Kings both getting fleeced. I think, on both of these trades. So we can start with the trade that happened a little bit earlier on Tuesday. That was C.J. McCollum. He's going to be going to the Pelicans. Josh Hart's going to be going over to Portland. There were some other role players that were being traded, of course, in this one. I think Larry Nance also was going over to New Orleans, which is kind yep. of an mm-hmm. interesting piece. But really, the big news, C.J. McCollum to the Pelicans. Pelicans are getting pretty decent guys back for what they're giving up. Yeah, I guess so. But on the other side, this is what I will say. I don't like this trade, Ben, and I really thought it was pointless. But if for on the Portland Trailblazers side, it just the writing's on the wall. It looks like they're just heading in a new direction. What direction are they heading in? We really don't know for real. Why is that? No. It's simply because Damian Lillard doesn't want to run from the grind. So it doesn't look like they're going to let him go, right? doesn't like they're going to let him go. So they're going to move CJ, keep Dame, and add more pieces around Damian Lillard. Now, this is my opinion, Ben. You let me know what you think. Because I saw this this rumor mingling around, too, on Tuesday. What do you think of Jeremy Grant being added 
in a trade package so he can go over to the Trailblazers. What do you think of that move? Because I think that's the only way this trade makes sense for CJ, the CJ McCollum move. Yeah, I think that would be a little bit more enticing if I was the Trailblazers, if I knew I was going to get back Jeremy Grant. But my whole thing with this is mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Trailblazers are salvageable. I think they need a clear house and bringing, bringing on Jeremy Grant is all well and good, but this is a team that needs a complete rebuild. I think they need a complete rebuild from top down. Like they, they have not made good trades this season. Yep. They gave up Norman Powell for peanuts. I, <laughs> I don't know why they took that trade. They sent Norman Powell away. They didn't get really much back. Yep. They haven't really made any good trades to make the team better in the last couple of years. And they brought Norman Powell in for a lot for draft picks. He's gone now, and you didn't get much for him, and he didn't really bring you too much production of what you probably expected. So I, I don't think that front office is very good to begin with. You need to get rid of them. You need to get rid of every all these players. See if you can get something for Dame or, or something. Just start the rebuild process in Portland because mm-hmm. just like bringing in Jeremy Grant, that seems more like a Band-Aid to me than anything else <laughs> and a real solution to what this team really needs. is They just need to start over. Maybe keep Anthony Simons as kind of – you don't want to build around him, but he could be a good building block for the team to start actually like kind of a young process forward instead of just trying to like patch these holes that are popping up every which way. Well, Nikhil Walker Alexander, he was also in this trade too. So he's on yep. his way to Portland, a former point guard from the New Orleans Pelicans. So I believe, Ben, that that's going to be a pivotal piece. Really? Over in Portland for the rebuild in the backcourt if you're going to get rid of Damian Lillard. So if, so like you said, if they're going to clear house, Ben, if they're going to just yep. go ahead and get, you know, so just go in a whole new direction, get rid of Damian Lillard the way, any way that Nurkic, they can. Out of here. Nurkic out of there. They got to start off with Nikhil Alexander. They got to make sure that he's going to be the starting guard moving forward. If this is the direction they're going to go with and then Anthony Simons as the two. And so you're going to have a whole new revamped backcourt to go along with maybe Sabonis if he's going to stay long-term and we'll see what happens with Nurkic. Maybe they get rid of Nurkic somehow, but that's the only formidable way I see the Portland Trailblazers moving in the right direction is clearing house. Like you mentioned, getting rid of Damian Lillard and starting those two back, those two in the backcourt, Nikhil and Anthony Simons and just moving forward. Yeah. I mean, they got Josh Hart this season who's having his best season of his career, 26 years old, um, scoring 13 points a game, shooting 50% from the field. He's a decent player, good player. I just don't know if his age range fits with if you really want to tear everything down. I don't know how much he really fits with the timeline of that team. I just think that the Trailblazers, you know, they had everything going for them. They had a good lineup. You thought that could maybe push him to a Western Conference final appearance and CJ and Dame, just as much as I wanted that to work out, Me too. it didn't. It just didn't. It didn't fail, but it didn't really succeed. There you the go. Problem. They just they floated. They were an NBA purgatory, which arguably is the worst place to be. You're not winning. You're not losing and getting draft picks. You're just kind of there. You're existing. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Portland Trailblazers have been. They've just kind of been floating in the ether of the NBA world. Just kind of existing as a team, not getting good draft picks, not playing good enough to really compete for a championship. They need to just tear it all down, Zach. They need to get rid of everyone. I I appreciate they're making trades, but it's bad trades, and they're not getting much value back for them. Rip City need to rip it all up. It is. So the other trade that happened today on Tuesday as we record, the big trade, I think, of the day 
You have the Pacers and the Kings, two teams at the bottom of the barrel in their respective conferences, trading players. Sabonis is going to be going to the Kings. DeMontis Sabonis, former All-Star, really good player, young guy, 26. And the Pacers are going to get Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald back for him, along with some other role players. But those are the main guys that we wanted to talk about here. Um, Justin Holiday is going to go over as well from the Pacers to the Kings um, and Jeremy Lamb. But I love this trade for the Pacers. Love mm. this trade for the Pacers. On the other side, what the hell are the Kings doing? Sacramento. <laughs> what, oh my God. What's going on in Sacramento, don't Zach? I, I don't think there's anything going on upstairs in their front office. They're not thinking about the future. They're not really thinking about what type of players they have. They're not. I don't think they even know how to evaluate their own players. So the Kings are oof is really all I have to say about the Kings. It's it's a bad look in Sacramento right now. Blow it up. You know what I'm saying? I, and when I say blow it up, I mean the whole front office staff. They got to go. Like Sacramento front office staff got to go. You literally just drafted Tyrese Hallenburton. Why would you get rid of him? He's only like 21 to 22 years of age. You out here lacking. What? Like that doesn't make any sense. So now you're going to have the Aaron Fox and the Monte Savonis. You got both of those players. What they're going to do, run pick and roll and kick it out to who? Like, what players are going to be? There's no Buddy Hill anymore. That's a knockdown shooter. Like, you don't have him, no Tyrese. Like, this team is moving. In what direction? People don't even know. They still have Marvin Bagley. That was a player that they was trying to get rid of. Like, they were (laughs) literally trying to get rid of him. And now, you know, so they got rid of the coach, Luke Walton. Now they have the, uh, the interim coach right now in Sacramento. And so when you look at that situation, like, no one really knows the direction. Kings fans... Their Reddit is going bananas. You show me it's that, terrible. and they are fed up. And they have every yeah. right to be. They have every they right to be upset and frustrated because they don't even know the Sacramento Kings. Like Fans don't even know what direction their organization is even going in. Okay, yeah, you got a good player in Sabonis, an all-star. You got De'Aaron Fox. He's a he's a you know primetime player. Don't get me wrong, but what else do you have to build upon on, especially if you don't have a young guard that you just traded traded away in Tyrese Hallenburn? You don't have anything to build upon what you just did. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few days, either with that team and see whatever, like buyout market or anything. Like we just need to see what Sacramento, like where they where their head is at. You know what I mean? I don't think they know. I don't think they even know what they're doing. It doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. The problem in Indiana with Sabonis was him and Miles Turner were, you know, bumping into each other. The, the spacing wasn't great with those two, especially with the pick and roll situation. You bring Sabonis over to the Kings, he's going to have the same problem with Rashawn Holmes in Sacramento. So either the Kings are need to get rid of Rashawn Holmes, and then you bring in Marvin Bagley back as a normal starter, which I don't think they want to do because they've had issues with him in the past. I don't know what's going on in Sacramento. I really don't. It's already like the Serbia of the NBA, the Siberia. I mean, they they don't want to. Everyone doesn't want to go to Sacramento. You're in Sacramento. That's where you go to for your career to to die because no one cares. Sacramento doesn't seem <laughs> even like they care. The fans at this point are irate. They're just absolutely done with this team. It's very interesting. We also got a voicemail about this team, so I'm gonna play that voicemail now and uh, let's see what this. Points the painter had to say about the Kings. Hey, Ben, hey, Zach. Quick question. Are the Sacramento Kings rebuilding or are they shooting for the play-in game? And even if they are shooting for the play-in game, why add Buddy Hill to that deal? That's a bonus. Make it make sense to me. Yeah, it's a great question. 
I can't make it make sense. I think the, the Kings need to make a shirt that just says "Make it make sense," Sacramento Kings, because that's that's been their whole existence since like 2002 onward. Make yep. it make sense. None of this, none of these moves make sense. Are they trying to go for the playing game? I don't know why they would be. This doesn't seem like a move that really helps them that much to put them in a playing game. You're getting rid of one of the better young players in the league for a former all-star who's playing all right. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it makes so much sense with the personnel that you have on the team. Right. So. I don't know. You lose great shooting in Buddy Heel, great shooting in Tyrese. It's a bonus is a 32, 33% three-point shooter. Make it make like, sense. Yeah, like you know, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Appreciate the caller for sure. But the Sacramento Kings, I remember their front office, one of their front office positions, they said that if the team wasn't in the playoffs within this is in like twenty seventeen. They said if the if the Sacramento Kings didn't make the playoffs within the next two years, that they were going to resign. I believe he didn't resign until like year three, year four. So he lied already right there. And in the meantime, in the midst of all that, I'll give credit to this. You drafted Tyrese Hellenberg. That was a good pick. Good pick by them. You yeah. let him go. You let him like go. A year. That doesn't make <laughs> no sense whatsoever, Ben. No, training for Sabonis. I know he's young ish, 26. You know, I just turned 27. So he's young. We're both young guys. <laughs> I'm not getting older. It's fine. We're good. He's a young guy, but he's still, you know, he's like entering his prime. A team that trades for that type of player. They're like making the move to either compete like this year or in the next year or two. Thanks. I don't think the, the Kings are nowhere near that. They're nowhere near that. Not even close. There'll be a lottery team again. <laughs> yep. They're going to be a lottery team once again. They're going <laughs> to, they're probably thinking, you know, next draft we'll just pick someone up that we need, maybe a scoring guard, scoring two, someone like a Tyrese Halliburton is who they need. Exactly. Is what it's going to end up being. Just do, just rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Like, yep. That's literally all it is. Sacramento Kings 2022. Make it make sense. Love that <laughs> motto. Uh, the other trade, Cavs trading for Karis LeVert. Yeah, which I like I this. Like. Mm-hmm. They didn't really have to give up too much, and the Pacers were pretty much done with Karis LeVert. I don't think the players necessarily love playing with him. He had some issues during the season where he wasn't really running the plays that they were designing for him, and I think players were just getting frustrated. Everyone in, in Indiana was getting frustrated with each other, it seemed like. That's why they're blowing everything up. But So LeVert going to the Cavs. Cavs sending over a lottery-protected 2022 first-round pick, which is probably going to end up for the Pacers because the Cavs are good enough that they're not going to have to be in the lottery this season. Ricky Rubio, who's out for the year, he was able to clear some cap space for him. And then two second-rounders. So honestly, in terms of fairness of trade, Zach, I I think both teams got pretty good value for themselves. Yep. When you say the whole thing out loud, you know who got the short end of the stick? Who? Ricky Rubio. (laughs) Listen, Ricky Rubio came came over here to Cleveland, helped this team, you know what I'm saying, because – Colin Sexton has been out. That's something that people got to remember, too. Colin Sexton has not been available for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they've been able to do everything that they've done so far throughout the course of the NBA season. And you got to give kudos to J.B. Bickerstaff like we always do. Oh, yeah, he's been great. Time and time again. Cleveland Cavaliers are fourth in the East without their starting point guard, Colin, the young bull Sexton. And Darius Garland got them boys rolling. He's an all-star. Jared Allen probably should have been an all-star. Evan Mobley, rookie of the year. And then they bring over Rondo, veteran leadership. And now you got a scorer that can go out there and get 18, 20 points a game. And Karis LeVert going out there in Cleveland. Listen, Milwaukee, 
Better watch out. Chicago. Wow. I know that's your boy. I know them your boys, Chicago. They got to watch out. Man, listen, Cleveland is trying to do something right now, being mm-hmm. like they are trying to win. And you got to respect that alone with your, if you're an NBA fan, like you just automatically just have to respect what the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing for NBA basketball right now. They're trying to get better. That's what you want, right? You want to see teams trying to get better as the playoffs get closer and closer. Yeah, I see a window and they're taking it. And they're reuniting boys Karis Levert and Jared Allen. Would you love to see? Reunited and it feels so good. That's going to be a theme. They love, those guys loved each other when they played for, when they played with each other in Brooklyn. So oh, yeah. you're reuniting two guys who have chemistry. You're giving yourself another score who could potentially help you out when Darius Garland may be sitting out a couple games with injury. You're not going to have Colin Sexton and you still have kind of a young core. He can come in 26, 27 years old, help you guys out. I think it's a great addition for the Cavs. Pacers get rid of him. I don't think they needed him. It wasn't working out. And they get some draft compensation back. Really a win-win. Definitely a win-win. All right, prison time, Zach. It's prison time. Right to jail. Our new segment, who are we throwing in prison this week? And I had to do it. I had to do it. It was time. I should have done this for our very first segment for prison (laughs) time last week. We we went with the teams. We went with the Pacers. We went with the Wizards. And, again, don't forget, you get your get-out-of-jail-free card once once a month. You get a get a get out of jail free card. You're right. I want to see if you're going to use it here, but I'm going to throw Russell Westbrook in prison. I think I have to. I think you got to lock him up. Now, why is that? One for 10 over the weekend? Yes, he was definitely one for 10, five points, and he killed the parlay. Killed a lot of parlays. (laughs) Yeah. Throw him in prison for killing the parlay. I just don't know what's up with Russell Westbrook. He's, he's, He's not the Russell Westbrook of old. It's like everything. That was bad with Russ when he was playing well, when he was doing his MVP seasons, when he was helping teams win a little bit at least. Everything bad is just now him. Bad shots, bad decisions. Uh, he's overthinking things. He's being too aggressive. He's not really working in the flow of the offense. Terrible, terrible defensively. That's that's just Russell Westbrook now. That's him. That is him as a player. And you, you'll see explosive dunks every once in a while. They'll make the highlight reels. They'll be on Sports Center. But other than that, he's not bringing anything to the table. Not right now. Not for the L.A. Lakers. He is not. Oh. Like, I, I'll tell you this. When they played the other night and he went off in the fourth quarter a little bit, you know what I'm saying? He kind of kept them in the game against the Los Angeles Clippers last week. You know, in that fourth quarter, kind of bringing them back, keeping rallying them, you know. However, just like you just said, Russell Westbrook defensively will have laps after laps after laps, particularly Los Angeles Clippers game, Reggie Jackson, Austin Reeves. Now, even TNT, now if Chuck Charles Barkley can get this right and understand this, then I know. Yep. That I understand and you understand that when a player like Reggie Jackson is hopping, bunny hopping up the court, being looking for the switch, looking for the defense, the defense disadvantage that he wants, the appropriate mismatch. Austin Reeves, they get the switch, the perfect switch that they want, Ben. And they go down and Austin Rivers, I mean, Austin Reeves does exactly what he's supposed to do. You force a player baseline because that's another defender. So he does his job. I saw Austin Reeves getting crucified on social media because of the poor defensive play 
by Russell Westbrook. It wasn't even Austin Reeves' fault. It was Russell Westbrook's fault. If you're going to double team, double team Russell Westbrook, like don't half-ass it. Like you got to really go out there and make a play defensively. Collapse, close in, make sure he doesn't spin dribble on the baseline and get a left-hand layup for game. You don't do that, especially for a player like Reggie Jackson. He ain't no all-star. Like, come on, Russell. You got to, like, have some heart in that moment. You got to know that, like, we got to stop this. We got to get this dub against this team we share the same building with. The interesting thing about Russ is you look at his defensive stats, his defensive rating, which is, in general, a pretty decent way to judge a player defensively. It's not perfect. It's not the best, but it's a good way to judge them. He had his worst defensive rating of his career was his rookie year in OKC. At 111. Since he left OKC, Zach, he has now had his top three of four worst defensive seasons. This season is tied for the second worst defensive season, 110. Last season, he was 110 for his defensive rating. Mm. And now he's 109 in Houston. He has been a terrible defender for the last three years. Really, really bad defender. I don't know what the deal is with him. I don't know if it's lack of effort. I don't know if he's just done he, playing He defense. wanders. He wanders. He does. He, his, he, his head's not into it. He just wanders. His man will be on a three-point line. He'll wander, linger to the paint, try to get a rebound so he can get out in transition. But does that ever does that work most of the time? No. And so what happens? You got corner threes, baseline threes, wing threes. Defense, defense is out of position because Russell Westbrook wants to rebound so he can get out in transition. And sometimes you just got to close out on your man and box out and let Anthony Davis or somebody get the rebound so we can go. Yep. I'm throwing, he's in prison. Throwing him in prison. Throwing him in basketball jail. It's time, Russ. I'm sorry. You got to go. What are you, what are, what are you throwing in prison? Listen here. I want everybody to pay attention to this. First and yep. foremost, being, well, how do I feel about analytics? You let people know how I feel about analytics. Cause I hate you hate you hate them for some reason I don't understand you are not a numbers guy you're uh-huh. a heart guy not a numbers guy I'm an eye test guy heart and eye <laughs> yeah. test like always a good way you know what I'm, you know what I mean and so like the three point shot is in prison we gotta lock that up you know what I'm saying we gotta what? lock up the three point shot the NBA look we need to erase the whole three point line for like a week just so folks can move inside and shoot the two point shot you ever heard the saying because people probably ain't never heard this saying. Three is worth more than two, but two is for damn sure worth more than zero. Okay. So on the fast break, huh. when it's a three on two or two on one, the last thing we need is the guy without the ball lingering out to the three point line. We can get an easy layup. That's like not even rock science being like, it's almost frustrating to watch Oklahoma City Thunder come down the court. Four straight offensive rebounds were all kicked out being to three point shots three point shots all of them that's ridiculous in my opinion like bro go back up somebody pump fake drive draw foul like something you guys already shot two threes off two offensive rebounds and want to shoot two more and got no points out of all four of those possessions that's like that's ridiculous in my opinion so like three point shot it gotta go and like one of the biggest reasons is that like wow 10 years 10 years ago being that average team shooting threes was literally like only like 16 to like 20 yeah. a game. That's nearly double the amount of three point attempts taken in the NBA right now. And a lot of teams can't shoot the ball from deep. So we need to lock it up. Yeah. The top teams are shooting 40, 
42 three-pointers a game. So they're doubling up what they were doing like 15 years ago. I may have to use my get-out-of-jail-free card for this one. You're free to go. I I don't know if I can accept this. Just throwing the three-point line under the bus. Just throwing it out. See, there's issues. There's definitely issues. I was watching the Jazz on Monday, and they had a three-on-one. And or Mike Conley had a three on one and he had a wide open layup, a wide open layup. And he kicked it out. He kicked it out to Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal missed the three. So I get that. I I get that. I I think I love analytics, but analytics can definitely be taken a little too far in that scenario. If you have an open layup, take the damn open layup. layup, (laughs) Don't don't kick it out. You don't need to do that. That's at that point. That's not worth it. You're really lowering your percentage at that point of getting points. So I get that. Well, getting rid of it entirely, throwing it out, locking him up, throwing away the key. Lock it up. Yeah. Now, don't even trip. No, don't, okay. Don't even trip. I got you. What you need to do is just start betting on some of these cats on their <laughs> over-unders and threes. And then you tell me how you feel, okay? You tell me how you feel <laughs> when that transpired, when you got a guy, let's say hypothetically, Fred Van Fleet, over sure, three and a half. And you take over three and a half, and he go out there, and he shoot two for eight. Then what, how you yeah. gonna feel? And then if you're watching the game, you feel like, oh, damn, he could have, he could have shot something else. Or he could have did something. He could have found a, a different way to get the three point shot. Whatever the case may be. However, when it comes to them points, with a player like Steph, when you need 20 and he only give you 18 because he want to shoot three for 12 from the three point line instead of driving to the basket and get a two point shot so your boy can have 20 and be up a couple dollars. That's all I'm saying, too. Especially. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? That this feels a little shot. personal. This feels more personal, personal with than... three-point shot. It is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I like it being on. Listen, I'm going to use my one get out of jail. I, I, can't, I can't allow <laughs> you to do that to the precious three-point line. We need. I need it too much, and hopefully I win some bets using it. Uh, let's do dunk or deny. So who are we dunking with, and who are we denying, Zach? And I think we're dunking with the same team. We team are. Team up north. Mm-hmm. Drake's team. Drake's favorite yeah, team. Drake's team. We in the six today. We in the yeah. six for the Duncan. You feel me? We yeah, dunking with the, the Toronto Raptors, big dog. Why are we doing that? Listen, because they've won six straight. They won yeah. six in a row doing they thing. You know what I'm saying? Fred Van Fleet, he's an all-star. Career numbers, shooting like three or four makes in terms of three-pointer. You know what I'm saying? So if that, so if you feeling you feeling friendly, you know what I'm saying, with your dollars. You can definitely start looking at, you know, saying Fred Van Fleet in terms of three pointers he's going to make throughout the course of a game because he definitely gets them up. They're seven and, they're seven and three in their last 10. They're seven and two off the back to backs and went three and no in their last homestead. So listen, they're doing a great job so far this week. And I want to see it continue. You know, Spicy P, I ain't, listen, I ain't said Spicy P name all season. You know, he's been in and out of lineup. He's been kind of hurt yeah. and he's kind of made his way back. And he had a double double in his last performance. And, you know, Scotty Barnes, you know, that's my boy. I was rooting for him for rookie of the year throughout midway through the season. Looks like it still might go to Evan Mobley. We'll see what happens after the All Star break, who might turn it up a notch. But right now, Toronto Raptors are playing very, very well. Like I said, they've won six straight, seven of their last 10. They're doing a damn good job, Ben. Really yeah, they are. I, I'll be honest. I I um I came close to giving up on them early on Ooh. in the season. I mean, they they had injury too, issues. Honestly. I get it. Injury issues, COVID issues, as did every other team. But injury issues for sure. And they just looked out of sorts. It kind of looked like the time had run its course. It kind of looked like it. 
you know, at this point, you may want to start moving some guys around. It's, you know, teams play together for so long, might get old, and other teams have figured it out. Mm-hmm. But credit to the Raptors. Credit to Nick Nurse, man. He, he's he's shaped this team as well as he can, and they're on a tear, six in a row, and shooting well, playing defense really, really well, and beating teams. You know, they were a one-point favorite over the Hornets on Monday. Just one point. I saw a lot of people taking the Hornets as an underdog. They killed him. They blew him out of the building. It, yep. it really wasn't even that close for most of the game. So they're clearly doing better than the market thinks the, they are. Good for them. They're playing well. They're back home in Toronto. I know they're not playing with fans, but at least they're in Toronto and not having to play in Tampa Bay for COVID <laughs> issues. So they're feeling good, I think. They're, they're finally back home feeling good. You know who What's I'm going to I want to know. know. I, I threw Russell Westbrook in prison. So I'm going to have to deny his former OKC teammate. I don't know what was going on in OKC when all three of those guys were together with Harden and Westbrook and Durant, but Westbrook's been disappointing. Now Harden's just been disappointing. He's got to stop whining. The guy, Ooh. the guy, there was a report, and this was from CBS. CBS report. This is not my report, but I'm just reporting the report. You just tell it don't like it is. Messenger. Yeah, yeah don't, no, don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, don't shoot the messenger here. But it, the report said for CBS that James Harden has been frustrated at having to be the guy for the Nets after thinking he was joining a super team. Apparently, he's frustrated. He doesn't want to be the number one guy. He doesn't want to be the number one scorer. He thought he was joining a super team. He was going to go to Brooklyn, kick up his shoes, relax, score a couple 20-point games, maybe a 30-point game here and there, and it'd be an easy walk to the NBA Finals. You got COVID issues. You got Kyrie not getting vaxxed. You got Kevin Durant getting hurt. You got Joe Harris being out. You're stuck with Pat. You're stuck with Patty Mills and James Harden. That's his. That's his number two guy. So he's frustrated. What a weird thing to say. I mean, you're a potential Hall of Famer, one of the game's greatest scorers, yep. and you're coming out here and saying, "I don't want to be the guy. I thought I was going to have it easy." What What are you, you doing, man? Stop you whining. Know what, you know what's interesting about all that is that yeah. time and time again, and I've said it multiple times on multiple shows of this points in the paint. James Harden just running from the grind. He just ran from it. And this just goes all the way back to Houston, coming into camp, overweight, not paying attention to detail, don't want to be invested with the team, the Houston Rockets, like not playing in games, not showing up in like in training camp, all these things. You got DeMarcus Cousins when he was on the roster, John Wall lobbying for you to be there, want you to be there. With this new coach in Steven Silas, the black coach, it ain't too many black coaches in the NBA. So for this man to get his first opportunity and have to deal with all this saga because of your personal feelings so you can get booted out and go to the team that you would like to go to and play with the players you want to play with. Now, all of a sudden, it's not working in your favor and you want to pout. That's why I don't mess with James Harden, man. That's why I don't take him serious. He's a great player offensively, defensively, obviously can use some work a little bit, but that's, you know, that's long gone. We, we got well, what James Harden is, is what we have, you know what I'm saying? What we going to see, you know what I'm saying? That, that step back, drawing fouls here and there, the new rules, he may not like that much. Bro, you on like he really on some lazy nonsense for real. Like, yeah, it's like really kind of lazy. Like, bro, you been the man. You was the man in Houston for like six, seven years. Now all of a sudden you don't want to be the man no more. Like, what's up with that? Like, why do you want an easy route to win a championship? Like, nothing comes easy in life. So why you think this is gonna come easy? Your man's KD was literally big feet, half a foot, being NBA Finals. Like, it literally gets that close. So nothing comes easy. In the NBA, nothing comes easy come NBA playoffs. And and he should know that his team, Houston Rockets, missed 20 some odd straight threes in a row in a game. 
to not make it to the finals, Western Conference finals, whatever the case may be. So James Harden needs to go look in the mirror, self-evaluate himself, come back, and be James Harden, the MVP he once was before. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. This team made, when he was in OKC, they made the finals. And you would think that all three of those guys, they see them, they make the finals, they lose, they're young. Yep. They're like, all right, we know what it takes to get here. We know what we're going to have to do to get better. They should know what they have to do to be able to actually win the finals. They never get back to the finals. And I've always been kind of wondering, like, that was a really good team. You had three Hall of Famers on that team. You had Durant. You had Westbrook. You had Harden. You had Serge Ibaka. They kept Serge and got rid of James. And people say that might have been their biggest mistake. Well, it's also like, come on. You guys should have gone to the finals again. And now that you're kind of seeing the work ethic of Harden, you're kind of seeing Westbrook, kind of the same little attitude about, I don't need to play defense. I don't really even need to play offense. I'm just going to work on and try to do with my natural athletic ability. It makes more sense why they didn't succeed as much in OKC. Looking back on that now and seeing what Westbrook has become and seeing what Harden has become. Yeah, Durant there just being like, I can't do it all by myself at this point. <laughs> like, I'm I'm the only guy here working on my game, getting better and doing things good. It, it's weird. It's weird how that team ended up. It's weird how those two guys have ended up where you have Harden saying he doesn't want to be the guy anymore. And you have Westbrook basically checking out half the game playing defense. Very bizarre. I'll say this, though, Ben, before we move on, I will say this about Russell Westbrook as opposed to James Harden. One thing about Russell Westbrook, unless he just flat out can't play like legs broken, he's going to play. I'm saying he's mm-hmm. going to play. And I'll give Russell Westbrook that, too. He's played yeah. every game this season for the Lakers. Hasn't missed one. I mean, he's been in the lineup. A.D., been out. Bron, been out. He's been there. So I give Russell Westbrook a ton of credit for taking all the hits during this season, you know what I'm saying, even in his poor play, his poor performance, he's been able to take those hits, you know, and just keep going, you know what I'm saying, keep playing hard. Because that's one thing that I don't have to worry about with Russell Westbrook as opposed to James Harden. Him playing hard. What's the record's going to run through a wall for you, yep. no matter how poorly he's playing? Offensively, offensively. Offensively. <laughs> now, James Harden can just check out the whole game. Defense, offense yep. doesn't even matter. I'm saying I think one of these games last week, he only finished with like two points or five points, whatever the case may be. Didn't didn't produce much offensively. And so if you're the Brooklyn Nets and you're seeing the way his attitude is, James Harden, and you know Ben Simmons won't even like that's not going to elevate it. Putting all your chips in, if you're the Brooklyn Nets on this season with high hopes that KD returns from the MCL sprain in good form that Kyrie can buy in and somehow, some way they can figure out how he can play home games and get the fine, whatever the case may be. Right. So hopefully that comes and happens maybe in the playoffs. This team is literally only played like 12 games together, Kyrie, KD and James. So it's going to be very interesting throughout the season after the all-star break, what's going to transpire with the Brooklyn Nets, because I, for one, am denying James Harden going to the Philadelphia 76ers because I do not believe that is going to put either team over the top. You know who I do want Embiid to play with, though? Bradley Bill. We can move on. (laughs) And you know what's interesting about that? Because this is a little bit of breaking news. A little bit of breaking news. I like breaking news. Bradley Beal is going to go under uh, season-ending surgery, according to our very own Sham Sharania. So this was tweeted 30 minutes ago. So pretty much when we started the podcast – 
Bradley Beal will undergo season-ending surgery for torn ligament. I'm not even going to pronounce what that ligament is because I do not know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Scaffolunate in his left wrist. So he's going to be out for the season. Mm. Wizards have already been in a nosedive, so, you yeah, know. they have. And, it, you know, we talked about him last week, and I was hoping yeah. the boys was going to be able to turn around. It don't look like they turn nothing around no time nope. soon. <laughs> we threw them in prison. All right, what is our stand of the week? One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Ooh, wait. This is a very interesting stat of the week, Ben. It's very interesting. We had two performances in the same game. It was very good. I even saw I even saw a parlay where two people picked these two players to each score 30 plus, and they capitalized off of this because the stat of the week this week, Ben, is 40-40. And I ain't talking about the 40-40 club, big dog. I'm not. Not talking about the 40-40 club. I'm talking about two players in Joel Embiid and DeMar DeRozan going out there and doing a thing. They did a thing all the other night. Joel Embiid went out there, dropped the 40-piece, great fashion, and they got the dub in Chicago. How disappointed were you in that, that to see DeMar DeRozan go out there and score like 45 points, no threes, zero threes, 45, and still come up short because Joel Embiid was in his bag? Yeah, that wasn't ideal to see. I will say that. Now, the Bulls are missing a lot of players. They're missing they are. their best defenders. So I'm I'm holding out hope that they'll be able to adjust accordingly once everyone gets back. But to see DeRozan do that without shooting any threes, that is the key. 45 with no threes? That's impressive. That's impressive, Bro. man. That's good for good for tomorrow. That's why he's an MVP candidate this year. He goes out and does that. You see this though, right? Watch 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 me work real quick. 45 zero threes. Analytic folks. Let me say it <laughs> one more time. One more time. One more time. 45 <laughs> points. Yeah. 18 to 30 shooting from the field. So that's well over 50%. Knocked down nine of 11 of his free throws. Nine assists, seven, nine boards, seven assists. All around great performance in the loss to Joel Embiid, who had the 40. But analytic folks, I want you to realize something. That mid range God and <laughs> CP3 and DeMar DeRozan, it yeah. works. Okay. It works. It flat out works. You can shoot the two. You can shoot the elbow midi. You can shoot the 17-18 footer. You can do that and succeed and be successful in the NBA. You do not have to attempt, if you're a basketball player, 10 three-point shots a game. You know what happened? When Norman Powell was traded to the Clippers from the Portland Trailblazers, you know how many three-point attempts he shot in his first outing over there? You know how many? How many? 14. He shot 14 three-point attempts. I believe he was like three for 14. That's just three-point shots. Now, you going to sit here and tell me the three-point shot don't need to be in prison? <laughs> nope. I'm still – you know what? We need to have someone who knows analytics on the show. We should interview <laughs> an analytical person for, for a team or someone who writes about analytics. Give us a call, too. If you write about analytics, I want, I want someone to tell Zach – that you're wrong. I want someone to be like, Zach, you're incorrect about this. 773-273-9088. Leave a message. If you want to leave a message supporting Zach, I'll just there block it. It's fine. Oh, I'll that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To finish it out, the world famous Zach's Game of the Week. Mm. What is your Game of the Week? What's the money line play? You're 8-5, and five, still I over am. 500, doing I well. Am. I am. I Let's am over 500. I'm trying to get a win this week because, folks, we coming off a loss. And I'm so sorry. I, I apologize. I really do because I was <laughs> for sure. 
you know what I'm saying? The 76ers was going to ride that wave that they was riding and take mm-hmm. care of business against your man's Luka Doncic, Dallas Mavericks. But we came up short. Philadelphia came up yeah. short last week. So we're going to bounce back this week, people. We're going to bounce right back. Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, prime time. This is the rematch. I'm pretty sure folks seen next Friday. This is the rematch. You feel me? When Debo and his little brother and his little brother taking off his shirt or whatever, this is the rematch. And you know what I'm saying? You got, you got Craig and his, and Pops in the car. He talking about punching. Well, guess what we gonna do? We gonna punch it with the Bucks money line over the Phoenix Suns this Thursday. Prime time, big dog. I'm talking prime time, big fella. Yes, Interesting. Indeed. Bucks, They're going to be the underdogs. Mm-hmm. Yes, they will. I like it. I, I like it a lot, too. And listen, you can get fancy, too, if you want to. That player performance, whether it be a double-double, Bobby Portis, if you feeling fancy, Giannis, double-double. Bobby P. Bobby P. You know what I'm saying? Headband, big eyes, you know, all that <laughs> good jazz. You feel me? So if you feeling fancy, you can definitely do the player performance, whether it be Giannis or Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, however you feeling. But definitely take the Milwaukee Bucks over the high down there in the valley. Them boys rolling on this road trip right now. I give Phoenix a, a ton of credit. They are rolling on this road trip. They are. But I think they got to simmer down a little bit this week, people, because I'm taking the Milwaukee Bucks over the Phoenix Suns Thursday night. Don't you miss that game. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> All right with you. I'm in. Thank you. All right. Now, look, now, let, let me say this, though. Before we finish, let me just say this. I don't want you out here in these streets folding on me now like you did last, like a few weeks ago. I don't need you doing that. You I, know know I got to bet with the head. I got to bet with the head. <laughs> I, I can't bet with the heart all the time. I'd lose. I gotta bet with the head. I gotta ride with my guys from Dallas. I had to do it. But never, I haven't done it again. It yeah. hasn't happened again. Yeah. I'm gonna ride with you this week. I love that play. The Bucks is a home dog. Probably. Let's do it. I'm in. All right. That's gonna conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. I am Zach Bazerhouse. That was Ben Wittenstein. You can follow us on our social handles, respectively. Of course, you can catch at Points Paint on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to the channel to catch our beautiful faces and just clips throughout the uh, Points in the Paint podcast show, of course. And listen. Shams dropping Sean bombs the whole week on this trade deadline. So you want to follow Shams and you really got to catch inside the association this Thursday for the trade deadline show. You do not want to miss that this Thursday. My boy Cam Smith is going to be holding it down with Shams and they're even going to have a special guest with Quinn Richardson, the knucklehead himself. So you don't want to miss that. We got bets for the Super Bowl courtesy of Nate Jacobson and Ben Wittenstein. And where can you get those bets? Sharp Lessons. You got to listen to Sharp Lessons, the podcast, every week to get those bets from Nate Jacobson and Ben Wittenstein. And all things football, you know who to go to. It's our main man inside the league himself. You feel me? You know who it is. Michael Felder, the bearded one. Michael Felder, (laughs) the bearded one. You got to make sure you check out his podcast. We're talking all things football. Great guests, great interviews. And you will hear from us on Points in the Pain podcast next week.